is Women Who Rock, a podcast promoting female musicians and artists. Today, I am very happy to say that I am joined by all of the members of New Zealand avant folk trio Ida Loon, Rose, Anna and Deanne from Ida Loon. Thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Thanks for having us. Thank you. (laughs) Firstly, I need to say big congratulations on the release of your debut self-titled album that came out uh, last week on Home Alone Music, congratulations. Thanks very much. Thank you so really much. Nice, nice to have it out in the world. Yeah. yeah. I think that, I mean, it's been, you've been together as a group for quite a while, but I understand that the genesis of you all kind of working together was actually doing backing vocals for a different project. So I'm interested to hear how the that experience of doing backing vocals together kind of evolve into Ida Loon? Yeah. Um, it was, firstly, it was like a lovely way to meet, actually. We, we didn't know each other at all. Um, and we had different friends in a band called Fuco's Fables and they were going on tour and they wanted some backing vocals. And so we just met each other in a rehearsal room and pretty quickly we were just singing together. Yeah. yeah. Um, we didn't even talk. I think we the first thing we did was sing together. Yeah, you know, there may have been some hellos. Yeah. Hi, yeah. nice to meet you. Um, but, but from there we were, we were singing. So, um and yeah. very quickly, I don't know, I mean, I do remember that rehearsal. I like, I remember feeling a little bit nervous yeah. because we hadn't met and just kind of figuring out how that would feel. Um, but really quickly, it was like so lovely to sing in harmony together. Yeah, um, it's no, it was nice not having, that. like being back in vocals takes off a huge amount of pressure. So it was quite a low pressure situation. And obviously mm. having three of us doing BBs, we, we were all harmonising. So we were quick to quick to recognize that it felt really nice to harmonize together and mm. um yeah our voices worked worked nicely together so we yeah we kind of collectively thought why don't we just try it outside yeah of, we finished doing again. the shows we did a little tour and then we started like writing music and singing mm. together pretty quickly you that seems like a very organic kind of almost old school way it's, it's like the polar opposite of meeting on uh, using like a band mix profile you just met in a room where you were singing together. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah, very different to that. Yeah, totally. It was a very natural way to come together for sure. You mentioned the idea of the vocal harmonies, which I guess is kind of the centrepiece of Ida Loon. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my good friends sings in the St James Choir in Sydney. He's a tenor, and when he when I sort of first saw them perform, he kind of explained to me that the choir, he sort of sees it like a big guitar because we play guitar together as well. Mm-hmm. He sort of sees it like a big guitar where each section is a different string. And in Ida Loon, you have quite a wide vocal range. Do you sometimes view the vocal harmonies as an instrument? Definitely. I think we try and think of our three voices as one instrument, um, whether that's blending to sound like uh, like timbre wise mm-hmm. more similar or whether it's 
really um, accentuating our different timbres and creating quite a harsh sound. Mm. Yeah, and I think we we mess with our different ranges as well. Like someone who would usually do a low line suddenly will go up to a higher line mm. or we, we like to play around with that. We do sort of have a place where we all naturally sit, but um, yeah. kind of messing around with that arrangement creates a different timbre or a different sound as well. Yeah. Um, so we're always thinking of, of ways that we can kind of play around with the voice. Mm. Um, yeah, yeah. I... I, I personally haven't I don't know about you guys but haven't thought of our voices together as a particular specific instrument like you were mm, using the guitar mm. I haven't thought of it as a guitar or as a piano and studying um jazz vocals we were always encouraged to think of the voice as a horn or you know it was mm, kind of like right. um you know that was a little offer that you could you could choose to um go down that way so I guess if I was to put my voice in in an instrument it would be a horn but that doesn't really feel right to put all <laughs> I mean horns have one note so how would you be a yeah. harmonizing horn is just out of this world yeah well and I think I mean thinking about it's an interesting thing to think about I think coming from like school and singing in the choir and stuff like that or like opera choruses and stuff but when we I, I do think about the blend I think sometimes in relation to that or when we're all singing in the same octave and we're trying to sound like one voice it's like we yes we're three different voices but we are blending so you can't tell the yeah. difference even yeah. though we have quite different voices in different situations we can kind of something. Mm. yeah yeah it is an interesting thought I also I think I saw an interview with Dave Grohl where he was talking about starting as a drummer and then moving to guitar and then when he picked up a guitar the first thing he thought was that you know like the lowest string is just like the kick drum mm. and right. the highest strings are like the cymbals mm. so it's just translating something that your brain understands into a new kind of field so that's kind of how I was feeling when I was first seeing this big choir for the first time it's like a massive guitar on stage yeah. <laughs> I, like, I like the visual yeah me too <laughs> the album we should talk about the album um it's self-titled I've listened to it a few times, and one thing that really struck me was I kind of got a sense that there's a contrast between light and dark. There are certainly some light moments, like, for example, I mean, the music in Bittersweet is quite, um, I think, light and uplifting, but I also got, like, an undertone of darkness as well. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, I think my favourite track or one of my favourite tracks was a Song From Me. <laughs> and it has these... It's like the toms, the drums. It's kind of like tribal and menacing. It's actually a tribal um, drum that's used in that song, so good thing. Yeah. Right. I, I was kind of feeling like maybe I would be listening to it in like a clearing in the jungle somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Um, and that's, I mean, but then some other songs have like, you know, beautiful lush string arrangements. So can you tell us a bit about the contrast between the light and darkness in, throughout the album? A lot of that comes from the fact that we have quite distinct writing styles, each of us. So we each contributed rough, well, two of us did three songs, one did four songs. So, and they're kind of evenly that the spread out. So, I mean, I think, um, yeah, the fact that we each have our own distinct voice, we each lead the songs that we wrote. Um, so I think, part of it is that um yeah I, I think all of us um you know I know we we're just talking about harmony before but I think we also bring kind of harmony in the voice to create some of that that dark undertone so you might be listening to something that you think 
oh this is this is beautiful or this is kind of you know I don't know uplifting or light and then something will come along that will make you feel uncomfortable and I think we consciously make that Mm. decision with with um how we treat some of the harmony across all the songs across um Mm. you know each song that we've Mm. written individually or and then bring together Um, particularly the bittersweet example is good that the first the first lyric that we all sing in harmony the lyric is sweetly and it is certainly not and it's, a, it's like the clashiest yeah. and it's a crunchy harmony yeah. and it's meant to make you know the listener think oh well and even even singing, singing it like the first yeah. times we were singing it i remember resisting that note so much and like always just going ah oh, the semitone so then i would like and so it's really and still even performing it today i have to prepare myself before that note and be like god for it and i just just do the crunchy note like, yeah yeah because it's it's like it's so effective i think and also to that the, the light and dark i think particularly the, the songs um that I've written, I um, as sort of, I think, is sort of a, a level of protection, maybe, or um, I'm not sure. Just using humor to sort of like mask pain. So that's both Jeremy and Song for me have that um, have that element where I sort of take a, a story in maybe an ironic fashion, and then um, and mm. and add yeah. So the lyrics have humour but then often the harmony and the undertone if you actually read into the message is a lot darker. Yeah. 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 I had a uh I'd like to take a track now and I had a lot of deliberation about trying to choose a track. <laughs> uh I'm gonna go with the well. Is there um can you tell us a bit about was there a conscious decision to put this as the first track on your first album? I think it really um, makes use of our, our harmonies. Um, it's quite, um... yeah, yeah. I no, I agree. I think it, it it shows that side of us quite quickly. But I also think we just we just sort of went through as you do as a man and was trying to figure out how it felt and where we wanted it to go. Mm. And uh, I think the the well represents our sound really beautifully and just felt right like it just yeah. felt it, right yeah. when it came and it in. builds really beautifully so it starts yeah. out quite minimal and and pure and we thought that it was a beautiful place to start the album and it sort of takes the listener on a you know on a journey that starts simple and then gradually it builds, builds and, it builds and yeah. yeah 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 well i can't explain why but it felt right for me that this would be the song that we feature uh-huh. so <laughs> let's listen to it now the first track of the new album from Ida Loon. It is called The Well. Listen here, mighty one Quick before my time is done Show me what I knew so well Show me Dream. 
track was The Well. It's actually the first track off the brand new album from New Zealand's Ida Loon. Uh, you have been together as Ida Loon for quite a few years now. I imagine that over that time you've played a variety of venues, but I was listening to an interview where I heard that you said you played at a graveyard <laughs> and I need to explore that topic. Uh, can you tell us about how that went down? We got great feedback. <laughs> we did. I mean, yeah. So, <laughs> we got great from the um, it was um, so it was part of a an interesting event that was part of sort of the, the fringe festival um, of a a bike tour by night, where guests come along and they bring their bike and they. They decorate their bike with, um, well, that's part of the performance is to, to decorate the bike with these, with lights and and little trinkets, and um, the bikes ride through, sort of the back alleys of Wellington, and the idea is to introduce people to new corners of Wellington that they haven't seen before, and so, um, yeah, they came over an overpass and then arrived at a graveyard, and we were hiding behind, <laughs> hiding behind trees, um, and as they took their seats, we. <laughs> Um, we sang emerged. in a in like single file. Yeah. <laughs> emerged from the trees. We, um, mm-hmm. we were wearing sort of floaty ghost like um, clothes, and and so yeah, there was there was sort of which is weird that they have an amphitheater in a graveyard, but there was an amphitheater for, sort of staring at the graves. So the audience took their seats, and we sang to them just a cappella in the night, and um, and then just returned. Then went back to the bushes when they all left. But it was quite late. It was something like 9.30 and we performed over three nights. Mm, So we were quite familiar with the graveyard and the happenings of the graveyard at 9.30. And one of the nights we actually stumbled upon a homeless man's bed (laughs) 
which was behind a grave. I got a bit of a fright because I was behind the tree and I'd like rested my banjo there and then, oh, he was like, hello. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, but... No, he didn't say hello. He said, Mary Jewel lived here oh, in he did. I actually forgot or something like it was. So it was just a voice from the grave. Yeah. So uh, we've yeah, <laughs> had some really interesting um, gig experiences yeah. in yeah. our lives. Okay, the more information I'm getting, the more questions I have. Yeah, great. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Us too. <laughs> but you answered my first one, so it was 9.30 at night. Yeah. yeah. I've been to a cemetery a few times at night, quite late as well, and it's a, it's, I feel as though that would be a very eerie vibe having a, a trio of vocal harmonies at that time of night and there's no lighting either there's just the moonlight but we did yeah we had there's moonlight but we remember we had one of the nights i think we had little up lights that was oh, that's so, right. yeah. <laughs> yeah, so, that's so that right. it was sort of that creepy like we were lit from below that's right yeah yeah and i mean that's yeah. exactly what they wanted they were creating this different experience that people were you know going to and and they wanted that feeling that kind yeah. of haunting feeling yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. At the cemetery that I've been to a few times at night, they actually have something which I didn't notice during the day is that a lot of the grave sites actually had a kind of like a solar lantern. Mm. Oh, that's cool. And so uh, the first time I went there, I was blown away because it's like all of these, maybe 40% of the graves had lights and all different colours and stuff. They, oh, cool. That's actually really nice. Yeah. yeah. But I feel like there's a there's kind of a, there's a vibe in the air at 9.30 at night in a cemetery that's very difficult to replicate elsewhere. Yeah. What What's even more crazy is that we were actually playing next to a pit which had hundreds of bodies yeah. um, that were removed from a, a graveyard in the 60s, um, which has since been turned into a motorway, and they were dumped. These bodies were all just dumped in this mm. tiny pit and we were standing next to this pit. Yeah, yeah. that's really yeah. Particularly yeah. eerie. So Particularly I mean, yeah, eerie. Because when you, I mean, my my sort of view of a graveyard is, ooh, spooky, Halloween-y, you know. But I think when you look beyond that, you can think of, of graveyards as nice celebratory spaces with Final beautiful flowers, and, you know. But yeah. this particular yeah. graveyard was pretty depressing that yeah okay yeah mm. it did my last comment on this is it did feel nice <laughs> nice to sing in that space so that often felt yes. like it was deserted or hidden yeah. away or to, to mm. you know yeah, that it was a, such a sad story and I've, like we didn't I didn't know that story until we until, until we went we there yeah, and read about yeah, that yeah, yeah um yeah. and yeah so I mean yeah we weren't even though it was an eerie feeling we weren't sort of trying to amplify that no, no craziness that's true. yeah you know it did it yes yeah, it felt nice to yeah. perform there except that we're being jumped by the homeless man on the grave <laughs> i think that would have been gen like genuinely frightening yes that was, yeah, it was running into someone because i've been when i've been there at night by myself i thought like if someone is there even if it's really innocuous it's going to be really scary <laughs> yeah. yeah 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 um okay well we performed uh, vocal harmonies in front of a mass grave that's yeah. fine I'm kind of <laughs> glad that I asked about that people have very different perceptions of cemeteries I guess yeah um I'm a, a bit of a widow when I went to Oxford last year I actually we had a day off in between work and um 
most of my colleagues did like fun stuff, but I went to the cemetery to J.R.R. Tolkien's grave. Oh, wow. And that was, I just kind of like sat on the bench for a while and I don't know, it's some, something like serene and respectful about it. Yeah. I'm outside of my band at the moment. I'm working on a project with um, uh, my Marai, which is um, we're designing a a burial ground which in New Zealand we're called Udapa, which we've been gifted by the council some land that we can um that we can use to to bury our dead and that's a super interesting project to be a part of and it's it is it's looking at how you can make a space as peaceful mm. and joyful as possible so that people really want to come I know that I'm going to be buried there so I want to make a place that um People, my son wants to come visit me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I've been thinking a lot about burial sites recently. I'm going to change the tone a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Your album came out on the, I think, 18th of November. So, like, I mean, pretty close to the end of the year. Do you, so from my understanding, you didn't have an actual launch gig. Are you intending on doing that soon or like the start of next year maybe? Yeah, we're looking at the start of um, yeah early next year to do to do a tour in New Zealand. Obviously, it's been like a really um, strange year and a, a different year for musicians. Um, and for us, like we really wanted to release it this year. It just felt like this was the time for us to release this album. Uh, but we didn't know whether touring would be a feasible thing and we didn't want to go through the stress of organising something and having to cancel it. So we decided, like, yeah, we'd love to release it this year and then we can um, organise a really nice tour for next year. Um, and I think we feel really good about that decision because mm, yeah. we don't want to keep holding it back and it felt like the right thing to do. Yeah, and that will be um, a national tour just within New Zealand. One day it would be great to get to Australia, but not um, not in this climate. <laughs> Sure. Well, I mean, you've got to check the news every day, right, to see what the story is. Okay, well, that, I mean, that will be, hopefully, I assume, a joyous occasion (laughs) after seven years of working together doing this, the first tour for the album. Yeah. Segment, tell me a thing. 
where I have a list of seven topics. I ask you to choose one and tell us something about it. The topics are musical equipment, recording equipment, poetry, Patti Smith, punk rock, death, and politics. So, Rose, Anna, and Deanne of Idaloon, can you please tell us a thing? All right, tell you a thing. <laughs> um, we chose poetry, and we're going to freestyle it a little bit. I guess when I think about poetry uh, in our band, it, it draws me back to how we think of communicating ideas um, in our songs um, through lyrics. Uh, and I'm actually kind of interested. I, For me, um, I think melody and lyrics are really kind of joined together in how I express things. Like it needs to fit with the melody. Um, yeah. Those things need to work together. I'm kind of interested to... I, I, I feel like Leonard Cohen is a yeah. great example of this. Mm-hmm. Um, his Book of Longing is mm-hmm. one of those Penguin classics. Mm-hmm. I love it. Um, and I think he's a great example of, yeah, setting poetry to music and rhythm. Um, yeah, uh, I think he's a very interesting man. Um, I actually agree with that. I saw him, like, maybe when I was, like, 18, he came to New Zealand uh, and he had this wonderful band uh, mm. and, like, that left an impression on me. And maybe without realising it, I think I have taken things from that and totally it feeds into that writing for what yeah. we do. Mm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, I mean, I think of him, you know, as, like, an iconic poet, but then I also kind of, like, don't really know where to draw the line between any songwriting and poetry because I yes. kind of think they're just they are I mean songwriting is po- I, yeah. I don't know like mm. maybe I, yeah I don't really think you write a novel and then put that to music it is like but but, but maybe that is just my narrow view and mm. certainly I don't think of myself as a poet so it's sort of interesting mm. for me to say that but I guess I don't know there's so many forms of poetry that if you take a song's lyrics you know you just write them down then it's some sort of weird poem. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you mentioned before that the so there's ten songs on the album, and so it seems as though each song was kind of maybe driven by one person. So with the lyrics, are you is it more this song is written by this person, or are you writing the lyrics or the poetry collaboratively? It's definitely an individual thing in terms of that. Like we will bring maybe a complete song in terms of the lyrics and the structure um, usually to a rehearsal and then we might work through the arrangements and all that kind of stuff but in terms of the lyrical content totally an individual has like written it or expressed an idea except for one exception in the well where Deanne I'm pretty (laughs) sure it was Listen here, oh mighty one. Yes. And then when we were singing it, we were sort of like, my dear one. Oh, that's my, right. And then, and then we sort of had to re-decide because it changes the It really change, does change yeah, the tone. It changes the tone. Yeah. Listen here, oh mighty one, quick before my time is done. Or listen here, oh my dear one, quick before. Yeah. It's completely, it's either yes. you are, it's either like a prayer or something yes. or it's like yeah. a nice, mm. yeah. So that was kind of an interesting, and what do we go with? <laughs> um, I think we alternate. Yeah. So, so <laughs> Still haven't decided. Yeah. 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 Recently, she threw out that it's yeah. not. After all yeah. the time, it's actually my near one. Yeah. <laughs> I think one thing that that writing songs it kind of does allow you to be a poet without realizing it. You may not think of yourself as someone who would sit down and write 
mm. you know, write poetry, but kind of poet without, and you don't know it. Yeah, poet and you don't know Jeez, it. I like it, dear. Cool. Thank you. But you know, you just you allow yourself to do that in the yeah. language of writing a song, mm. and I think that's something really special mm. for sure. <laughs> I have really enjoyed our time together. Um, Anna, Deanne, and Rose, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and big congratulations on the release of your album. Oh, thank, thank you so, you so much. much. Thank you for having us. Women Who Rock is proudly produced in the Sydney studios of Do As We Are 107.3. Show me how.